This is the Ash and Ivy Show. My name is Riley, and I am so really very excited you are here. I'm excited because this is a safe space for all kinds of humans to share their journeys, and I believe we should. We should share our journeys, our stories. They deserve to be heard, and we need to embrace them by listening and growing in compassion. I'm also over the top that you're here because I don't want you to miss a second of this friendship offered in the community. You're invited, you're needed, there's space for you here. So go on in over to Facebook groups and jump into the Ash and Ivy Friends group. Listen, life is meant to be lived in such a big way. It's meant to be celebrated. And sometimes that means digging into our ash and finding the ivy of our story. It's all so hard and beautiful and messy, but we're going to do it together. Hi, Heather. Hi. I'm so glad you're at Ash and Ivy. We've been waiting for this moment a long time. <laughs> um, so I always think about this. We So Heather and I started the garden parties together, right? We did. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about the garden parties a couple of times. We have an urban garden um, in our downtown area of Anderson, and for three summers or four oh goodness I forgot um we have spent the summer there just having parties with kids and doing crazy things um and just what I've come to know about you is you have like a quiet fierceness you're just loyal and present and reliable and um it just loves in such a big way even though it's so different than the way I present myself and show up like a crazy maniac but um it means a lot and so I've, I've loved that I've loved doing that together I always think about um you showing up with those macarons one is that what they're called Macar- macarons Rooms. yeah <laughs> um I don't know I think it probably shocked me in a huge way and you're such a gift giver um but that was such a big day for me because you just saw that, I don't know, you took care of me when I don't necessarily take care of myself. So it was really sweet. So we are here today um, for Heather to have this space and it truly is a sacred space. And um, we were just talking about how this is a space that is meant to invite others to life and ignite passion Um and grow hunger for healing and grow hunger for an awakened life filled with purpose. And I literally do not know another person more suitable for, for doing that and inviting women into life. And so we're going to hear her story today. Where do you want to begin, Heather? Um, I think my greatest desire as a child, just like everyone else, was to love and to be loved. I was born with an APGAR score at 10, and the nurses would find the doctor in the nursery rocking me. The word perfection was spoken over me from that first day. And somewhere along the way, I came to believe that love was conditioned on performance. I believed I had to strive to be efficient, and I made efficiency more important than love, and it's that love slowly started to fade away. The world conditions us to believe efficiency is everything. Without even realizing it, we weigh people's worth by how well they function. I can't tell you how many times as a child I heard the words, 
do it right the first time. My perfectionism eventually birthed unworthiness, and so began my journey of claiming shame as my story over and over again. It was around the age of 12 when I started drinking alcohol. I think the thing that I liked the most about it was that I didn't have to be in control, that I could be anyone that I wanted to be. I didn't have to live up to the unrealistic expectations that I was placing on myself. And not soon after that, um, I started using drugs. Um, by the time I was 14, I had my first run-in with the law. And the next at 17, and the next at 21. Um, and all through that time, I never thought that I had a problem. And somehow, I always ended up getting by and not getting into some major trouble. Were you still in school? Yes. Mm. You graduated high school? Yeah, I did. Did you like school? Um, I think I liked school in like middle school and maybe the beginning of high school, but... It wasn't your priority or... No. Yeah, and mm. you really don't even know yourself. I mean, now you do, but as an adult, it, because all of this started so young... Until you found healing, you really didn't even know yourself without drugs and alcohol. Absolutely. Wow. And so what you, you started with what you wanted as a child to be loved, and that is what every person wants. What else did you want for your life? What, as a child, what did you foresee your future as? You know, what did you dream for yourself? Um, I dreamed, like as in a job, I dreamed to be a marine biologist. I love the water, like it brings so much healing and so much peace. Hmm, That's neat. And so you finished high school and then kind of where did life take you after that? Um, so I guess it was my mid twenties to my late twenties. Um, I had decided that I I had become aware that I had a problem, but I was trying to overcome it on my own. Um, and I thought my mom had previously moved to South Carolina and I thought that changing my location would help me to stop the vicious cycle of doing drugs. Also at this point, I had um, started using pain pills and there was no stopping. Like it was um, a daily struggle. I couldn't function without the, the drugs. Um, So I moved to South Carolina and tried to do it on my own willpower again, and it didn't work out. Um, I had lost my job. Um, I had 
was getting ready to lose my apartment and my mom she she was like you know what I'm going to take your children and you just need to go and you need to figure this out so at this point you had how many children two you had both of your children at this time yes so they were little bitty so tell us about your kids a little bit um Jaden he is um very strong willed and he loves cars <laughs> and Legos um and my daughter Madison she has graduated high school um she's very artistic and creative and they both love life very much mm-hmm. so you're in your late 20s you've moved to South Carolina you've lost your job you've lost your apartment and your mom offers to take your kids did you want that how did that how did you handle that um so it was hard but I felt like it was the best thing that that my kids needed at the time because I was not at this point I was not nowhere near functioning addict like I could not um take care of them like it it was the best thing and I believe that to this day like it was the best gift that my mom could have given me because she wasn't um enabling me anymore and I just had to go and get to my end mm-hmm. So at this point, you don't feel like you've hit your low point? No. Wow. Yep. Okay. What's next? So um, I went and I stayed with a friend and I worked and um, I was arrested one night um, buying pain pills um, and I was given PTI, which is pre-trial intervention. And I went and I paid my fees, and then I never went back. What kind of intervention is that? Like, um, it's basically like um, community service and okay. some drug screens. It's like a, a plan to help you, maybe some um, twelve-step meetings, a plan to get you back on track. Okay, but you weren't interested. <laughs> No, I, was, I wasn't ready. <laughs> okay. I, there was still some left in me that needed to, I needed to get out. So um, I lost my job again, and I was basically just going from house to house, like couch to couch. Um, I got another job, and... Um, lost that and at the end of 2015 I was staying in a trailer in a back room with no running water and I had um, installed like a latch lock in the inside so nobody could come in and it was my intention that I was was never going to come out of that room um, I think I had been in there three days and I was so lost and broken. Um, 
I was like, the, the darkness was just overcoming me. And I had um, been detoxing for at least a day. And the guy I was seeing at the time, I had, he was out looking for something for me. And it was about 11, 11.30, and he called me and said that he needed me to come to a gas station because he was driving without a license and there was a bunch of police in the parking lot. So I found someone to take me there, and I got in the driver's seat, and the police came to my window, and they said, I need to see your license and registration. And I didn't pay in any mind, but um, there was a warrant for my arrest from that previous arrest the year before oh, because yeah. I didn't finish the pre-child intervention. Um, so I went to jail. And, and so you had license and all of that. Yes. But because of the warrant, you were found to be in the wrong. Wow. Um so I went to jail that night and um, I cried out. I actually cried out to God when I was in that room. And um, that was the first time that I had hope in such a long time because he called, he called my name at the end of my despair. Like that was the light that I needed. Um, so anyway. Wow. That's... <laughs> I'm sorry. Isn't that, that's astounding. I mean, you're in this room ready to die, basically. That's what you're saying. Instead, you get arrested when you really weren't doing anything wrong, necessarily. And that's what leads you to freedom. That's, that's mind-blowing. That's really, that's amazing. Okay. Keep going. I was in the um, the holding cell, and I remember like the time that I was arrested before, like I couldn't wait to get out. And this time, like I was sitting there, and I was like, "This is where I need to be." I'm mm -hmm. like, "God, I'm I'm done. I'm ready. Just walk with me on this journey." And boy, did he! <laughs> um, so. Um, I didn't have a bond, which was good because that's where I needed to be. And a couple weeks into me being in jail, um, a public defender came to see me on a Saturday, which was unusual. Um, and she offered me um, drug court, which is an 18-month-long program. And I was like, yep, that, that's what I need. Um, she left that day and she came back again and she said that they wanted to offer me transitional court, which would drop my um, felony because possession of um, opiates or pain medication is a, a felony. It would drop it to a misdemeanor and then I would have time served and I wouldn't um, have to, like that I would be done. And I was like, no, I, I need to do this drug court program because... Um, it's what I need. Like I need yeah. structure and it will, it will change my life. So I was there 30 days and I pled into Anderson County drug court. Um, and, um, 
I stayed at the Salvation Army for two weeks, and from there, oh. sorry, so the drug court program, you're not in jail. No, I'm not in jail. You leave jail and have to just find your own. You're supposed to um, stay with someone who doesn't do drugs or that doesn't drink. Was that even an option? Like, did you know? When I pled into that? Yes. I mean, did you have people like that available to you? Um, no, I did not. I mean, I had my mom, but that wasn't an option. So you end up at Salvation, the Salvation Army. I did. Homeless. I left the Anderson County Jail walking with just the clothes that I was arrested in, a pair of long johns that I purchased in jail, and a purse. Wow. Okay. Okay, so um, I was offered to stay at a Christian women's transitional house, recovery house, and I stayed there for a year. That first year was actually the first 18 months was something I can't really put to words. Um, in recovery, I guess we call it a pink cloud, but literally the scales were lifted from my eyes. Um, everything was like 3D and bright and the spirit of God, I guess, was just radiating inside me. I don't know how other a way to explain it. Hmm. But so within that first year, um, I was going um, to groups at the courthouse. I was taking drug screens. Um, I was staying in the house, doing Bible studies, learning how to live life on life's terms. So does pink cloud mean all the temptation and struggle and things that you really couldn't overcome or fight before were missing? Like you didn't want, you weren't missing that lifestyle? Yeah, like everything was amazing. Like just felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. This is what I want. And you're protected because you're kind of in a protected space. Yeah, right? I had to leave all everything that I knew behind all I didn't go back for any of my clothes or any of my possessions like it was just I was starting kind of fresh fresh mm -hmm. Mm. and had you met God before this I mean you said you cried out to him in the jail do you feel like that's kind of the moment you met him for the first time or did you feel like you mm. well I knew God when I was little okay you were raised. My dad was a chaplain's assistant for um, the Lutheran Church in the U.S. Navy. Oh. Yeah. So um, I knew God. I knew Jesus, but I didn't really know him. Yeah. So in this transition house, you really established a relationship. I did. Okay. And who was who? Was there someone specific, or was it everyone who kind of discipled you in that space, or how does that, were there friendships developed? Yeah, I, um, the, God sent me, I believe this truly, that God sent me a best friend at that house. Um, there was lots of people who came, and 
um, did Bible studies and I went to Bible study at Besto's. Every morning I would walk there. Um, That's awesome. So how do you transition out of that house? Do, do you decide when you're ready or is there like a graduation or what's the process? Um, so there is six month, I think six month graduation, but I stayed a year and there was like no really time limit. Okay. Um, I think it was just when you're ready. Mm-hmm. So the, my friend that I had gotten at the house, we ended up um, getting an apartment. Okay. Yeah. And so y'all both left at the same time? We did. Oh, man. That's neat. Um, so back up, how long were you in jail? 30 days. Oh, okay. Longer than I realized. And did you, I mean, did you have to detox further? Was that hard? You didn't go to the hospital? Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be because mm. it is a hard process. Yeah. Um, I think that God had his hand on me for sure. Like it was. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously he did. That's incredible. Um, Okay, so you've gotten this apartment, you're out. Have you seen your kids? Um, yes. Okay. And at this point, Jaden, my youngest, he's coming to stay with me on the weekends. Okay. What year are we at now? 2015? 16. Okay. Gotcha. And, um, and so how did you carry over did you find a church home or what kind of was it scary just stepping out or was it hard or were you ever tempted to go back Mm, I don't I think that like I was on this mission like to heal really like I had no desire to use I had no desire for that old life um, I had gotten the tools at the house to 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 live, really. Um, Do you feel like you really kind of were learning yourself for the first time? Uh, yeah, and I still am. Like, hmm. Yeah, it's been interesting to me, or, or really just fascinating and beautiful to watch you just bloom. And I don't think I really realized how relatively fresh all of this is I mean that was not really that long ago because you present yourself I mean you literally are radiant and just completely um like I started I mean I didn't realize how it was going to fit in but it's absolutely true you live your life in a way that meets the needs of those around you and you take care of them and you see others so well and so I just think that's really, really neat. And to watch you kind of discover yourself and find your own voice. And honestly, that's what Ash and Ivy's all about is, is using what hurt us so badly 
in order to grow and and not only grow into beauty but see the beauty in the story and I mean you definitely do that um but then also just to bravely face ourselves in the mirror in order to improve you know and then use it to invite others into that space so I mean how have you used what you've done um do you find yourself, let me rephrase that, do you find yourself really filled with regret or able, or would you redo it or would you be willing to keep your story intact? Like how do you see your story? Um, I don't think that I would do anything over. Um, I believe it all belongs. I think I've heard you say that before yes. and it, it has brought me to this very moment. I reflect often on my experience and see how it all fits together and all makes sense. Um, how the heartbreak led me back to myself or how the loss led me to the places I was meant to be. How the struggles introduced me to the parts of me I needed to become. Yeah. And now I welcome my imperfections. Um, they lead me to grow if I allow it. Instead of beating myself up for not being perfect, I turn it into strength. I ask God every day to help me see my mistakes, my imperfections, and learn from them. Whoa, anybody else feel like they just went to church? So, girl goes off right here, and I honestly couldn't keep up with all the gold in that moment. So I, uh-huh, mm, politely, but going back and listening again, I was rocked. Guys, we gotta listen to this again. I mean, really. Who doesn't want to hear this one more time? I believe it all belongs. I think I've heard you say that before. Yes. And it, it has brought me to this very moment. I reflect often on my experience and see how it all fits together and all makes sense. Um, how the heartbreak led me back to myself or how the loss led me to the places I was meant to be how the struggles introduced me to the parts of me I needed to become. Yeah. And now I welcome my imperfections. Um, they lead me to grow if I allow it. Instead of beating myself up for not being perfect, I turn it into strength. I ask God every day to help me see my mistakes, my imperfections, and learn from them. Okay, it all belongs. That is exactly it. I read a book a while back by Richard Rohr that describes life in a circle and the realest version of you is in the center. Okay. So in the center, you know yourself deeply, you are centered, you have balanced the priorities of relationships, love, healing, there's forgiveness there. There's less wasted time and energy on things that remain kind of on that fringe of the circle. Okay. So on the outer rim of the circle or the fringe are the things that are somewhat trivial temporary and vain. Yet he's warning us that if we spend a lot of time there on things that add no value to our lives or our legacy, right? But in addition to that, he's teaching that everything in the circle belongs. And it's imperative for us to understand that every facet of our being and who we are and of all the parts of our story create all, all of who we are, right? And so even though all the things are not weighted equally, it all belongs to create beauty and perspective, compassion, 
growth, the things that we need, the parts of us that are really important come from all parts of our life. And so we can't dismiss one part um, just because we don't like it. Okay. I'm sure you've seen that perfect person, the one who wears all her beauty on the outside. And sure, she's got it all together and we're all jealous. But the question is, does she understand pain? Will she bend down and get dirty with one who's suffering? So our goal should not be perfection and layers of vanity. Our goal and the way we cheer for others should be to reach down into the dark place and invite them to walk together. It all belongs. This darkness will not ruin you. That is our truth. We can walk this out hand in hand and it will cost you, but it will be more beautiful than any temporary fix. So Heather's going to wrap up her story by telling where she found hope and how she uses it to walk with others. I love you. Every moment, every day is, is a new beginning. I think we often want to look to the end, but um, every day I wake up to live in the present. I refuse to live in yesterday over again, and I resist the, tempt the temptation to save my best self for tomorrow. Um, Oh, wow, that is so good. Oh. I think our wholeness is found in our heart's desire for love in the present moment. Say that again. I think our wholeness is found in our heart's desire for love in the present moment. Oh, man. Goodness. I love that. So what does that look like for you? What does wholeness and life and what brings, like, what lights you up in the moment? Um, love, um, I think knowing who I am, I think that, um, it's a silent breath, like the love force inside us that gives us our identity. Mm -hmm. And we should say you have your children with, I mean, at home with you together, you live together now. And tell me kind of what, how your heart has shifted into from a place of just healing and survival into a place of looking to the future and serving people outside of you. Like, what are your hopes? To, how do you want to use all of these things? Um, I hope to open a home for women, just like the one that I was in my first year, a place where um, they can learn who they are, where they can learn the skills to live life on life terms, um, to know their worth. Yeah. That's what saved you. Yeah. Is there a shortage for that kind of place? Um, there is, actually. There's only, I think, one place right now in Anderson. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you've been doing what Celebrate Recovery. Tell us about that and what that means to you. Um, Celebrate Recovery is a 12-step program with Jesus at the center. Um, we... We're doing it. We're doing it uh, artisan fellowship, and we're actually taking a break right now due to COVID. But um, 
Yeah. How do you feel like, I mean, you're so quiet and so humble, but you go to this week after week and lead women in something extremely difficult. So like, how do you see yourself rise up in that position of leadership? I think I just want to give back what was given to me. And you just feel really passionate about that. So what do you need in order to start your house? Um, (laughs) A house? (laughs) (laughs) A house. So calling all people. Let's, we need a house donated. Tell me your dream house. Like really just paint a picture of the dream. Genuinely. Um, Let's vision this thing out. It's four bedrooms and it has a porch mm-hmm. and a backyard with places just to be in quiet time with the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. Just lots of space. Yeah, that sounds perfect. We are going to uh, just dream that up and believe for it and put the need out there. So. Um, and then I know just how has parenting and getting back into that and balancing your life and parenting and healing and how do you manage all of that? Um, just taking it one day, one moment at a time. Has it been hard? Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not easy but it's worth it for sure. I know just cause I know you so well. Um, you really were kind of pursuing the house thing for a while pretty heavily. And then it seems like you kind of had to put that on hold for a little bit. So tell me about, um, just what healing looks like inside your home and how you've been intentional, especially with your kids. Um, I think it's my greatest desire right now for my kids to know the love of the Father, to experience um, the intimate communion that I've experienced, um, for them to know that they're loved, that they're beloved, like that they are daughters and sons. Like, so we, we take walks, we um, take pictures of bugs and animals and we sing and we pray. I know I told you this earlier, but honestly, my favorite post you've ever done is of you and Jaden just walking and talking about how you just chat and see the beauty around you and just are in awe of creation and life. And I, I genuinely believe that's the best thing we can teach kids about the Lord. Um, because he's not about our perfection right? And you and I both have had to unlearn um, all the perfection things, and we don't want to put that same pressure on our children because that's not who the Father is. He invites us to walk alongside and enjoy and be in awe and be in wonder and be who we are, ask our questions, and, and just enjoy Unfortunately, we do lots of the opposite and pursue and strive and feel like we have to meet this 
expectation and we never do and so then we spiral um, and we look for it in other ways but the beauty of your story is that the father pursued you and called you out of the darkness I mean, he literally called you on the phone out of the dark room right mm -hmm. and took you to jail <laughs> Sorry, is that funny? It's funny to me, but it's like exactly what you needed and you weren't even looking for it. And there's tragic beauty in that, you know? He rescued you and um, there's no doubt in my mind that he has that, has your children covered and will continue to call them and invite them into life. Well, um... Lately, you've been doing a lot of, what do you call it, poetry or writing? Just tell me about your, just your sacred space in the past year and what that beauty has looked like for you. Um, so I think 2020 has actually been my greatest year of healing. Um, of course, like I've been through the 12 steps. Um, and they have brought healing, but there's other um, ways to heal. I think that um, everyone is unique and their story is unique and there's different avenues and ways to heal. So um, the beginning of 2020, I decided to take a chance at dating. And um, of course, with vulnerability comes fear. And um, I think that um, if you move along with the fear, um, trust is birthed. And of course, the fear is valid, but you answer it with trust. Um, so, and then when you get deeper into the vulnerability, for me anyway, the shame started popping up the shame stories so um you mean like in a relationship just having to tell yeah your story like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just being just being okay with who i am i guess um yeah so the first i can remember after i moved back home and was getting a divorce and i can remember the very first person that i was going to tell and i literally could not speak i, I can remember the like the situation perfectly and i just sat there like like i knew i was going to say something and it just wouldn't come out of my mouth because it just was so 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 hard and i definitely had to work on that um so I understand how that feels. Um, so um, God actually, in, in that time, he had revealed something that I had saw early on in recovery. Um, I had um, walked everywhere because like I said, I came out of jail with nothing mm -hmm. and that was transportation as well. So I walked everywhere. And one day I saw um, a flower and it was in the middle of all of these weeds. And he said, this is now your story. It's beauty and it's resilience, just like that flower. And, but it's time to start working and tending those weeds again.
I love how dreamy Heather's voice gets when she speaks of the house she's dreaming of. So anybody want to fill that vision? Oh, that would be so incredible. But I believe the timing will, you know, will be right. And so, you know, these kinds of things are extremely difficult to talk about and share with strangers. And so I just wanted to stop right here um, for just a second to catch the beauty. Did you notice the gold right there? God spoke to Heather through a flower, fighting through weeds, and told her that she's the flower. So even though she has to fight through resistance, um, her story is one of beauty and growth. And that's my story, and that's your story. So I'm filled with compassion for her, and honestly, her story causes me to want to tell every single woman, you are the flower. Don't let the weeds win. Let's fight this thing out together. Uh, the truth is, though, that even though it is my mission to tell every woman that, God speaks into every woman's heart that way. And so your challenge is to know what he's saying to you. How is he speaking your identity into you? And you can practice looking for him. We can practice looking for him in nature and in unique ways. And I promise it's there somewhere. So I love how she's going to talk about relearning a mindset and taking action. Taking action is the greatest thing we can do towards growth. Uh, instead of procrastination, she talks about moving through the fear for healing because our mind is programmed to what it's used to, but we can choose a different way and action is what kind of allows that to happen. All right, here we go. I had to... Um start the healing process um, I had to um, feel the shame and really like feel like deep down feel the shame and invite Jesus in and um, forgive like forgive the the old stories and the old um, lies Mm -hmm. and let go because shame is not who I am it is not my story um, and also in in that I learned my worth I think for the first time like I learned what my worth was and what my values are and um, in order to live your life in alignment to those values, you have to um, heal the old yeah. learned functions. And for me, what that was, was uh, people pleasing instead of setting healthy boundaries. It is um, procrastination instead of moving through the fear. Um, and it's self-abandonment in order to connect and be loved. Um, so it, it was a really good time of healing. So you had kind of started to date, but realized that you had a lot that kind of uncovered a yeah. lot. And so you've just let yourself face those things. And how did you, what process did you use to do that? You talk it out, write it out. Um, I did a lot of writing and I did a lot of healing prayer where I invited Jesus in. Can you give an example of that or is that too hard? <laughs> um, like, a, like a memory? 
Maybe. I don't know. Just some, a moment where Jesus met your story, met you in your story this year, and you found healing there. Um, it was really mostly like within the shame and just bringing out an experience that I had experienced as a teenager and just reminding me who I am and who who um, God says I am mm -hmm. and forgiving the person that hurt me mm -hmm. and yeah and so when you kind of have that memory and you face that feeling you're kind of getting to the origin of what caused that feeling but it's lasted and had domino effect into the rest of your life and so it's neat um I mean, your, your writings have just been so heartfelt, and I'm so proud of you for sharing them. Do you feel, do you like sharing your writing? Or, I do. Yeah. You're just kind of growing in that area. Do you want to do anything with that? Um, I don't think I've put much thought into it. Okay. It's just my way, I guess, of expressing what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And what do you recommend for others who are kind of drowning in their... Maybe their addiction, but also just their shame or their feeling of not meeting expectations or unworthiness. How do you, is it possible to overcome those things? Yes, there is hope. There's always hope. And um, reach out to someone, talk with them. Mm -hmm. Just don't be alone. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Wow, what a story. Of course, after the mic is turned off, Heather starts talking <laughs> without as much stress. And she shares something that was really vital to her unleashing in 2020 that I want to share with you. She describes how a caged animal forgets or unlearns how to fight. And that is what shame creates in us. It silences us. And so when God spoke to her in her shame and opposed to fearing it and hiding it, she was able to break free from being caged and made small. Does that make sense? So she said that it has um, taught her that there's more to life than just being rescued, that that's just the beginning of our path for purpose and relationship. And then the purpose of life is more about the living, right? Um, we can't just stay in our past or stay in this place of, of healing and misery and victim and mentality and that kind of thing. Um, but the living is the important part. So when you shift into a mindset of knowing that God wants to be with you in your life and just um, walk that out with you, it for her, that allowed her to grow into her own voice and her own opinion. And that's kind of where her writing births from. So I hope you'll check her out um, and, and just support her and cheer her on. And I just really appreciate you listening. I hope you have a great week.